Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we begin a new five-part Wednesday evening series entitled Beyond the Doors. In this series, we will journey through the doors of our church and learn how to represent Christ in society. With part one of the series entitled Sharing a Life That Really Matters, here is Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. Tonight, we're going to, uh, we're going to start a, a beautiful series tonight that I think is a very compelling series, extremely compelling. It's a five-part series, which means that you need to be here five straight Wednesday nights. It's an awesome series. We're going to speak tonight on Beyond the Doors, sharing a life that really matters. Beyond the Doors. We're going, to walk, we're going to walk past the doors of the church tonight. We're going to walk inside this place from out there. And we're going to preach five things that matter in here. And uh, I believe with all my heart that a church that represents Christ ought to be the church that really represents Christ. Not our own thinking, not our own process, but represents the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody in my life has said, you know, when they see me, there's the man, there's the man. We, I sit back, there's, you know, you're the man. No, you're the man. And so I just got a little catchy phrase that I throw back when people say that. I say, no, but I'm trying my best to represent him. I am not him. I must decrease and he is going to increase. But we're going to try our best in this church to represent him. Because we want this church to be a church that really does matter in society. We want this church to really have a say-so in how lives are turned and how lives are changed when they walk in the doors of this church. There has to be a change agent when people walk in this church. There has to be a change agent. It's not just to come and just to feel good and walk out of here. There has to be a change agent. They have, people have to be changed from what they were to what God wants them to be and then keep walking in the light of that gospel until they walk to the other side and step on the celestial shore. So it's an honor tonight to minister to you. Every time I get up here, it is really, it's really a, uh, it's really a, uh, an honor, but it's also a tremendous heavy burden. And I, uh, I never do take it lightly. I never do. I, I always look at it with great dignity because you folks deserve that kind of dignity. Some of you have driven 45 and 50 miles. You just got off work. You're still in your scrubs. You're still in your clothes that you worked in today. And you didn't even get to put any aftershave on or perfume. And you came straight to church. You probably hadn't even eaten yet. You think I don't honor that? I honor that tonight. I give honor to that. I give kudos to that tonight. That's good stuff. And I, I, I admire that. And I have told, I've told the staff, I've told the staff, they, they know I've told them many times that we deserve to give our people, the people that we have a chance to pastor and the privilege to pastor, our very best every time we step in this sacred desk. So tonight... I'm going to talk about beyond the doors, sharing a life that really matters. I'm going to talk about that, and I'm going to speak tonight on the door of hospitality. I'm going to talk about hospitality tonight. No, we're not trying to sound Amway. We're not trying to be your friendly neighbor selling State Farm insurance. We are here as a hospitable church where the name hospital comes from. We're here to be the kind of people that God would want us to be to attract people that need the attention that God wants to show them and give them. 
I want you to turn to somebody right now and look at them and say, we're probably going to be doing this a lot tonight, but how are you doing? Say, how are you doing? Not just your wife, not just your husband, but say it to somebody. Say it to somebody. Say it to somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the theme for the next five weeks is Beyond the Doors. I want you to write this down if, it's, if, it's, if you don't have your phone, if you don't have notes on it already. I want you to write this down. That Dan Gable was one of the greatest wrestling coaches in all of North America in the collegiate ranks. He coached at Iowa State University, and they won so many championships, it's hard to imagine. I think he won as many wrestling championships probably as John Wooden won basketball championships. He just won every year. But he wrote this. When those boys, the first year he walked in, the first year he walked in and saw those boys lace up their shoes and put on their, put on their wrestling trunks and their tights to go out and to learn how to scrap. The first thing he said to them is simply this. If this is important, do it every day. If it is not, don't ever do it. Let me repeat it. If this is important, you need to do it every day. If it is not, don't ever do it. We're going to speak on five theses in this church the next five weeks. Tonight, hospitality. Next week, prayer. The next week, forgiveness. The next week, celebration. And the next week, service or servanthood. It's something that we need to do every day if it's important to us. And if it's not... Don't ever do it. Because this is something that all of us, we need to pray every day. We need to give seven times 70 in one day. We need to celebrate Jesus every time a praise comes into our hearts and our minds. And we need to be a people of service that love people, a people of humility that give ourselves to the cause every day. Chapter 12 of John, don't have to stand for this. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Where Lazarus, who had been dead, was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was the fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She, was, she has kept this day... This for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always. But me you do not have always. So we have a picture here. A man who's been resurrected from the dead. His sister who was the original Martha Stewart. And another sister who was a woman named Mary that washed his feet. And we have a disciple here who was the son, history bears out, of Simon the leper. Who had been healed by Jesus. And now he was questioning what this all was all about. He had lived in a house of miraculous 
things, and he had seen a miracle of a man raised from the dead, and yet he still questioned the Lord and what Mary was doing at his feet. I'm going to speak tonight on the door of hospitality. A certain county agent had to go to a farm in his jurisdiction to talk one day to a farmer about a matter of county business. And walking up the dirt road leading to the farm, he encountered signs that read things like, Trespassers will be shot. Another sign that said, beware of the dog. Another sign that said, keep out. And underneath it said, this means you. (laughs) Finally arriving at the door, he was greeted by a smiling, congenial farmer. When the county agent was ready to leave, the farmer said, come and see me again sometime. I don't get many visitors up this way. (laughs) Really? Really? Well, no wonder. You got signs that says, keep out, I'll shoot you. Two strangers attended the same church for several Sundays and no one spoke to either one of them. So one lady decided, I'll give this church one more chance. If nobody speaks to me next Sunday, I'll never go again. The other lady said, I don't like this no speak situation in this church. If no one speaks to me next Sunday, I'll break the ice and speak to someone myself. So the next Sunday... Both ladies were there for the second time. The usher seated the two strangers on the same pew side by side. (laughs) And once more, nobody spoke. But as the first woman rose to stalk out of the church forever, the second woman turned, put out her hand and said, Good morning. I'm glad to see you. And both were pleased at having met a friend. And they continued to attend the church. Because one said, I'll never come back if somebody doesn't speak to me. And the other said, I'm going to speak. I'm going to break this no-speak clause. I want you to turn to somebody right now and speak to them. Say hello. We don't want any of that going on in this church. The Bible says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, so doing, some people have entertained angels unaware. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels unaware. Can I tell you folks that we have had angels visit this church? Can I say that and not feel like that you think I'm being spooky with you and scary and mystic? We have had angels, whether we've seen them or not, it does not matter. But they are, they are, they are guardians of the heirs of salvation. They come and take care of us. They watch over us. The Bible said the angels of the Lord encamp around about them that fear the Lord. We respect the Lord in this house. We have angels in our midst here even tonight. I just kind of felt like there's one right here beside me on this side. And one right here on this side. How y'all doing? Fine? Good? That's good. Y'all know each other? Yeah, good. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to preach a while. Don't get, don't get bored on me like some people do. Just stay with me. I believe in the heavenly host. I believe in spirit being. I believe that God is with us in this house here also tonight. I believe his presence is abounding and abiding in this house here tonight. I believe God really cares what goes on and what is said in this house tonight. So for that matter, I'm going to talk about some things today that I think the Lord would be pleased that I talked about today. Hospitality is more than a tea party for friends. It's more than a suite at a business convention. It's more than an association of restaurant and hotel owners. It's more than just ushers and greeters at the church door. Hospitality is a spiritual discipline and a moral obligation 
of all who call themselves Christian. If you're a child of God today and you have a problem speaking to people and loving people and caring for people, you need to get dipped again. You need to get refilled again with the glory of the Lord. Because there's something about Christianity that absolutely runs parallel with hospitality. We need to love people. As important as the Bible is about prayer, Bible study, and worship, so is hospitality. Number one, I'm going to preach three little points tonight. Hospitality is an atmosphere. Say atmosphere. Atmosphere. It's what it's about. It's in the air. It's a feeling that you have when you gather in a certain place to worship God. I I made a call this week to some people who have started visiting our church and they love our church and they're wonderful people. They've been on a quest for a church for a long time and the first time they walked in this church and stepped in the door, you know what she said to her husband? She said, this is the first place that I felt where I believe if we got in trouble, this church would really pray for us. Isn't that a compliment to you as a child of God in a church of the living God? Not a pastor, but a church. Because they've watched your worship, they've seen you praise, they've seen you honor God with your worship and your giving. We live in houses of fear in America today. We really do. We put dogs in our yard. We double lock our doors. We install elaborate alarms on our cars and throughout our houses. Say amen to that. We surround our airports with safety officials. Our cities are armed with armed policemen in our country with omnipresent military. We train our children to beware of strangers. We're reluctant to stop and help a stranded motorist because we're afraid we're going to get shot. We prefer to communicate by cell phone and internet rather than enter into a conversation with an individual. It just seems a lot safer that way because the risk of face-to-face encounters is just too much. There is, there's, there is a need to be smart. Perverts and predators are no respecters of person. You can say amen to that. The more we accumulate, the more we stand the risk of being robbed. You know that. The less we know the people around us, the less we trust and the more we fear. It's good to get to know your neighbors. You need to go knock on their door tonight about 10 o'clock when you get home. Say, my pastor said I need to come meet (laughs) y'all. The media and the movies seem intent to heighten that fear to astronomical proportions. How much fear can we endure and still function as a loving creature and a human being? Has fear frozen us from freedom? Has it imprisoned us in isolation and destined us to live anxious lives on adrenaline alert? What is the long-term effect of living that kind of anxiety? What will happen when we continue to isolate ourselves from one another, separate ourselves from community, and live out of fear of other human beings? The church is called to create a safe place where people are encouraged to disarm themselves and understand that there is a great house here that loves people and you're safe in this house. Amen? You need to lay aside preoccupations and to listen with love to one another and to God. In the Bible, folks, strangers were considered messengers of God. Abraham one day received three strangers at Mamre, offering him water and bread. He offered them water, bread, and some fine tender beef. And they revealed themselves as messengers of God. And it was while they were visiting there that they told a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman that they was going to have a baby boy named Isaac. It's an amazing thing. And Sarah began to laugh in her tent. And so Isaac's name meant laughter. When the widow of Zarephath offered food and shelter to Elijah the prophet, he revealed himself as a man of God capable of raising her dead son, and he did. 
When two travelers on the road to Emmaus invited a stranger to join them one day on a road to spend the night, he made himself known to them as the risen Christ. Do not forget, the Bible said, to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels unaware. When I went through the tragedy in 1981, I went to the church immediately after after that was over the next morning. I went to the church on Saturday and I walked into a blank and empty church. The only thing I knew to do in that time was to go and offer myself to God again at an altar. I felt some strangeness around me. I felt like it was there was something glorious happening around me and I did not see anything, but I walked out of the church. The housekeeper, the church keeper, came a little bit later to clean the church and when she walked in, there was a man inside the church waiting for her. It's in my book. Inside waiting for her. And he said, I wanted to show myself to the pastor. I wanted to show myself to Rex today. But I was afraid that I would scare him. But I'm here waiting on you because I know you're a woman of prayer. And I want you to tell him. That every day he lives, the rest of his life, I'm going to be right here watching him. I'm going to be here taking care of him. I'm here to tell you something, folks. It's time that we understand that there is a supernatural world that's taking care of us even though we don't see in that world. You write this down. The supernatural is so much greater than the natural. Be careful how you entertain people for you may entertain strangers. Are angels unaware. It's the mission of the church. It's the mission of the church to be a hospitable place. I consider one of my most vital ministries on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night to hug kids. Do you know I love your kids? That dawned on you that they got chapstick on their forehead? Has it dawned on you that I kiss your kids on the head and love on them right in front of you? Has it dawned on you that some of you 80 plus women you get some chapstick on your cheeks because I love you. I thank God for you. It's, it's, it's my mission. It's my goal in life to make you feel so welcome in this church. And it's my goal in life to hug every father and every mother and every young person. Everybody walks in this door. I met some girls tonight that I had not met. And I said, do you know who I am? They said, yeah, I think so. I said, who am I? Who am I? And they said, you're a pastor. And I said, come here and give me a hug and act like I am. I just believe with all my heart that my goal in life is to show people that I love them. Kids, folks, four or five times a year make, make pictures of me. Bald-headed, hair sticking out. <laughs> this is my pastor. They bring it to me. I made a picture of you today, pastor. My Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to say, get out of here, kid. Quit drawing ugly pictures of me. You want me to do that? No, you want me to love your kids. You want me to hug on your kids. You want me to adore your kids. And that's what it's all about. Those kids need a chance. You hear me? They need a chance to grow up and say, somebody at that church loves me for who I am, not what I have to be, but for who I am right now. One tried to tackle me the other Sunday. I said, my God, I got a football. Before I ever looked down, there's a football player in this house. I looked down, it was a little girl. She looked up. Several kids called me Jesus. I know, the, I, know, I know the real story, but I love kids. Jesus said, let the kids come to me. Let the children come. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Hospitality is an atmosphere. It's a feeling that you create in a place. When Thomas Jefferson was president of the United States, he and his entourage came to a riverside, a river bank on horseback. And standing on the bank was a man who approached Mr. Jefferson and asked for a ride. 
And President Jefferson said, get on. And he pulled him up and lifted him on his horse. And they crossed safety to the other side. And upon dismounting, several of the assistants criticized the man for asking the President of the United States for a ride across the swollen stream. Look, replied the man, I didn't know he was President of the United States. I don't have a television. No, he didn't say that. I just know some people have a, what's this? Some people have a yes face and some people have a no face. And the president's face said yes. And the rest of y'all said no. So I asked him for a ride. I want this church, you hear me, from the parking lot to the pew, from the choir to the children's ministry to the youth ministry. I want this church to have a yes face on it. I want, oh, somebody help me preach right now. I want people when they get out of their car to get out with somebody say, yeah, we're glad you're here. Yeah, come on in. I want our greeters to say, yes, we're glad to have you. I want you as a child of God to go up and shake their hand and say, we're happy to have you in this house. I want our greeters next door to do the same because somebody in this city needs a yes face and not a no face. Hospitality is an atmosphere. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice for that. It's an atmosphere. It's an atmosphere. The Bible said the spirit of the man is a candle of the Lord. And when people walk in and the room is lit up by your spirit, they want to attract themselves to you. We don't need to be blowing people's light out. We need to be helping them trim their lamps and get ready. Because Jesus Christ has something great for us. Amen. Amen. Hospitality is an atmosphere. You can't change people any more than we can make a plant grow. But we can take away the weeds and the stones which prevent development and join hands as God makes his will known in their life and in us all. Say amen. Hospitality is an atmosphere. No one can create it in a community of faith except you. Let's create it here and take away the fears of our culture in this house. Clap your hands and say amen for that. Turn to somebody and say, good to see you tonight. Come on. Number two. Boy, I'm teaching good tonight. I love this kind of teaching. Hospitality is an attitude. So get your little tood right. It's an attitude of the heart. In the text tonight, Jesus is the guest of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus at a dinner. He raised him from the dead in John 11. They had him for dinner in John 12. Martha prepared the meal. Lazarus entertained the guest of honor. And here comes Mary, took the family inheritance of perfume, a bottle of spikenard, reserved for special occasions, and poured the whole bottle on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. And the whole house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. You hear me when I say this. Gratitude has no boundaries. It is spontaneous, and it's extravagant. And it's good. But there was a problem in this setting. The disciples were there. Judas had an attitude. How can somebody have an attitude when their daddy was cured of leprosy and Jesus healed some of their best friend and raised him from the dead, Lazarus? How can somebody have an attitude running with a Jesus like that? He criticized the act as, as, as going too far, trying to hide behind the concern for the poor. He reveals his self-centeredness that he has, he has been stealing from the treasury. And Jesus calls his hand. He says, leave her alone. 
The perfume is appropriate for the day of my burial. You hear me. Some things are just done out of gratitude. Hospitality really rises and falls from an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of entitlement. Our hospitality is reflection of God's hospitality to us. When God's grace overwhelms us, we are set free to share with those who are around us. Deuteronomy chapter 24. I didn't put it on the screen. I want you to write this scripture down. Deuteronomy 24, 17 and 18. Moses instructs the children of Israel not to deprive the alien. Everybody say the alien. That's people that's the alien. Don't deprive him. Are the fatherless of justice. Give them justice in their life. Don't give them judgment. Give them justice. Or take the cloak of a widow as a pledge. Don't you make that widow pledge to you. She is by herself. She needs somebody to help take care of her. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. And where you have been in that position, in that situation, and someone comes to help you, you won't soon forget what happened in your life. How many of you in this house will admit that you were a mess when God found you? How many of you will admit that it's a great thing now to know the Lord? And the old life is behind you. Come on. And a new life is in you and before you. Come on. How many of you will admit that if God was good to me in my down times, should I not reflect the goodness of God and the grace of God to people that don't know God now? Am I preaching to somebody in this house? Don't take your little gift and go run it and hide it yourself and go stand in the corner. Share your grace with somebody. It's a joy to share your grace. Only when we know how to behave as guests will we have the honor to act as a host. What attitudes are in your heart that limit your hospitality to others? I'm going to ask a question now. Do you carry prejudices? Woo, it's going to get quiet. Do you carry prejudices? I'm not expecting somebody to run down here and say, it's me, Pastor, you're talking to me. <laughs> but I want to, are, are you a prejudiced person? Does a person who has needs that also has a horrible negative entitlement spirit rob you of your hospitable heart? Does that person have to be right for you to bless them? Or does God just have to be good for you to bless them? Do you judge people and say, you know, you're not worthy of what I'm going to do? You are worthy of what I'm going to do. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that on the cross? Aren't you glad he hung there and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And he gave you a chance. I think this church to really become the hospitable, hospital church that we need to be. We've got to quit looking at what kind of attitude people have and share the gospel. Because my dad told me a long time ago, son, if you bless people that don't appreciate it, God will send you people that will appreciate everything you do. 
And you know what God has done? He sent me a boatload of people in this church on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning that appreciate everything that we do around this house. And I'm a blessed pastor because so many people will walk away from you trying to be hospitable to them. I preached about it Sunday and I'm going to talk about it a little bit here today. There's a spirit of entitlement, even people that have needs. But we can't let that entitled spirit cause us to be prejudiced against them and doing the will of God in our lives. Say amen. amen. Do you have a kid phobia? The kids bother you? When I'm preaching on Sunday and the kid goes, ah, does that bother you? Kid comes running up and down this aisle. Get that kid. Somebody needs to get that kid. Sometimes I say, where's mama? And we love kids. We love kids. But we like kids to go ahead and be, just make them behave, you know. It's all right. I had, I had the Ringland brother born in Bailey Circus trapeze act come to see the church one day. Honest to God, some of you folks wasn't even born yet. And they came to our church when we was a little A-frame building next door. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen in my life. They were, the, they were the, either it was a blue tent and a red tent. I think they were the blue tent people. And uh, there was about 25 of them. And a little old boy down in Florida introduced them to Spirit-filled church, and all of them had received the Holy Spirit in their life. So everywhere they went, they wanted to find a Holy Spirit church, a Spirit-filled church. So they found us. We had about 70 people at that time. So when 20, 25 of them came in, it was like, wow, we had big church that day. I hadn't been here hardly any time. And so, so I had them get up and testify. Well, they had to have an interpreter because they're Hispanic and they didn't speak the English language. And so they come from Mexico. And so they were precious people, humble people. But they're kids. They're kids. Started tumbling down the middle aisle of the church. <laughs> then they'd get up and give a high five to the other one. Then they'd go... Your turn. And another one start tumbling down the middle of the church. I said, my God, I'm on the platform. I said, my God, ushers, help us. And ushers didn't know what to do. And finally, our people said, "Woo, that's good. That's good. Those kids tumbled for 10 minutes in the middle of our church. I said, God, everybody's going to run out of this church. They're going to say, that's a crazy church. No, we just had people didn't know how to act in church. But we allowed them to come to church. Because I guarantee if they go to church now, they know how to act in church. This is what I'm talking about. You can't just turn people away because hospitality is an attitude. We've got to love people no matter what. God, that was a funny day. That was a funny day. I know a pastor that had a family, a member, ask a family with children to leave the church, find another place to worship. So the pastor called this, is an elderly lady. He called her in. He said, can I ask you what that was about? And so she said, well, it was either them or me. So I, I think you're on their, time, on their side. So I think I'm just going to leave the church. So she left the church. And for several months, she didn't come back. And then finally she came back. Those people were doing good. and They made friends. And everybody's hunky-dory now. Let me ask you another question. Do foreign people bother you? To people that are foreigners <laughs> bother you. I tell you what, I'm an American. <laughs> Love it or leave it. 
Adele Gonzalez was a girl from Cuba. Had well-to-do parents, a brother, two aunts, a grandmother. She left them to come to America for an education. She said, immediately when I went to college, I felt the strong sense of being different, not belonging. I even had a college classmate ask me, is it hard for you to get used to wearing clothes? Don't you all dress like Tarzan and Jane where you come from? Cuba. What attitudes are going to have to change if we're going to accept people who happen to be a little bit different? When we have lived for a while, the walls of our lives become marked by many events, world events, family events, personal events, as well as our responses to them. Hospitality invites us to break down the walls of prejudice and encourages us to see others as, infer- uh, 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 to see others as inferior, different, dangerous, unworthy of our time. We've got to break down those walls because everybody matters in our life. Amen. Clap your hands and say, that's right. Turn to somebody and say, how you doing? Say, are you, are you getting this or are you getting madder at the preacher by the minute? How you doing? You can't get mad at me. You love me too much. All right, the third point, and I'm going to call it a day. Not only is hospitality an atmosphere and an attitude, it is an action. I want to put on the screen, never underestimate the power of a cold cup of water. Here's another statement. Leave that up there. Cook food, we do that here at this church, but we need to serve love. Everybody say, cook food, serve love. I'm preaching to you. Hospitality is love in action. It doesn't have to be organized. It doesn't have to be programmed or formulated. It's an express random act of kindness. I walked out of a restaurant not long ago with my meal paid for. I kind of like that. Whoever did it, I'll tell you where I'm eating tomorrow. And I begged that waitress. I said, you've got to tell me who bought my meal. She said, I was sworn to secrecy. I looked all in that restaurant. The people had already left evidently because there's nobody that I knew either in this church or out of this church in any kind of attitude that I had. I knew nobody. I walked around looking at people. (laughs) Not that bad, but I did. I wanted to see if there was anybody that I knew. There was an anonymous blessee. And I still do not know who the blessee was that blessed me. And it doesn't aggravate me. Because I don't know the giver. I can't reciprocate. I'm a debtor to some kind of person of the universe who on a particular day decided to do a kind act, a random act of kindness on behalf of me, somebody else. So what do I do? I do what the movie said to do. I pay it forward. I bless someone because I am blessed. It's kind of like my wife got in a line not long ago at Chick-fil-A. And she said, Hi. And they said, ma'am, your food's already been paid for by the person in front of you. 
first thing that hit me, there's a man flirting with my wife back there. That's just good preaching. So my wife was one, but behind her was a caravan of six people, a mother and five kids. So my wife said, well, I'm going to keep it going. So she asked the little girl, said, how many, how many people done this? She said, oh, ma'am, this has been going on for many hours now. My wife said, well, I wasn't going to break that, so I paid for those kids behind me. And people kept paying. Listen to me, folks. We're benefactors. We are benefactors of the greatest gift we could ever have received in our life, the gift of life. We deserve to die. We're all Barabbas. We deserve to die. We're all murderers and we're all sinners and we're all people that's just been saved by the grace of God. Somebody needs to go ahead and pay the toll and say, I'll take care of those people behind me because I've got to pay it forward for what God has done in my life. Like a young mother in an old Honda loaded with kids pays for the next five cars at a turnpike toll booth. Or a teenager who's seen out scrubbing graffiti that he didn't put on a park bench or on a campus and planted there days gone by or volunteering to help a widow lady doing menial tasks. Or a homebound grandma writing five to six notes a day to people and just saying, I want you to know that an octogenarian still loves you. Wow. Hospitality. Hospitality is an action. Love does not call for as much organization, structure, and programming and planning as we would like to think. We just need to do it. I like Nike's commercial, just do it. Just do it. 1 Peter 4 and 9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I'm almost done. In olden days, traveling people would knock on doors and ask for a place to spend the night. And if received, they call the person hospitable people, where we get the word hospital. And I still believe that we can be hospitable in a world that has a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. We can be those kind of people that God will let love on people that other people would shun. I close today. When fallen TV evangelist Jim Baker was released from prison several years ago, he got a call from Billy and Ruth Graham the day he got out of prison. And they helped him find a place to live and then invited him to worship with them on Sunday at the church they attended. And Baker said, I'd been out of prison less than 48 hours And there I sat next to Ruth Graham as she announced to the world that I was still one of her best friends. They invited me up to their cabin for lunch and began to help me restore my soul. There's places in heaven for people that are hospitable. You hear me? The community needs this church. The community needs this church. And we're here on purpose. We have tried to move from this location for God knows how many times. But somehow the Lord just kept us here. But I believe because the community needs this church. They need you. They need this group of people. They need this leadership team. They need this music. They need this children's ministry. They need what we're doing right here. And if we have to go to five services on Sunday. 
We'll fill this church up every time we get a chance because this community still needs a church like Christian Life Church. And I want you to clap your hands for your neighbor and for your brother because this is a hospitable, hospitable church. A great church. Russ Cripps used to be here. He wrote a book called 31 Another's. There's a lot of one anotherings in the Bible. You've got to love one another and pray for one another and care for one another and bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. I close with this, Randy, if you'll help me. His name was Dr. Bob Goodrich. He was pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas, when President Kennedy was shot. With tears in his eyes the following Sunday after that, after that Friday, he lamented to his congregation, Lee Harvey Oswald lived three blocks from our church. But so far as we know, not anyone from our congregation ever called on him or invited him to church or expressed any interest to him at any time during his tenure here in Dallas. Do we have any responsibility for what has just happened in our world? He looked at his church and he said, yes, we do. He said, something's got to get a hold of our lives and make us a church that cares about people. This church, he said, could have changed history. If we want a safer, more hospitable world, we might begin by building hospitality centers, also known as churches, who are as concerned for their community as they are for themselves. Look around you and find somebody in need. Help somebody today. Though it be little, a neighborly deed helps somebody. Isn't it time we put a little moral punch back into that biblical word called hospitality? Start loving people with all our hearts. I know many of you have heard me tell the story, but my mom and dad were pretty neat people. But dad was a very determined man and mother was a very stubborn lady. And I guess the mixture of that has caused me to be the person that I am. I don't know. But I remember when I was a kid about this high in Denver, Colorado, we had moved around a lot and a pastor asked us to leave the church. Never forget it. And I pulled on my mom's skirt and I said, does that mean we're not loved? Never forget it. I went home that, that night and mom said I couldn't sleep for nights. Because I'd been asked to leave a church. That affects a little kid. You hear me? There is nobody that enters the doors of this church. Hear me? That needs an exit ticket. Unless they cause all kinds of major disturbances in this church. And they're not here for the right reason. Everybody needs a chance to be loved by Jesus Christ. Everybody needs a chance to be loved by Jesus Christ. And so, here we are, beyond the door. Beyond the door. There's some things that make this church click, and hospitality is one of those things that makes this church click. If anybody knows a way I can be more hospitable to people, please come tell me. If you're giving a class on it, I'll go to it. If you're a teacher of it, I'll go to it. 
But I'll tell you one thing we need to do. Now you listen to me. You listen to me real good. This is going to be the best thing I've ever said tonight. We don't need to make a mad dash for the door when the amen is said on Wednesday nights. We don't need to be my, my five and you stay alive and here I am. It don't need to be that way. We need to care for one another. So I want you to stand to your feet. This is how we're going to dismiss tonight. We're going to stand to our feet. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.